Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone, we are back in the paddock today and I'm delighted to welcome Paige Fuller, who swapped Exeter University to become a national hunt jockey. How are you today, Paige? I'm very well, thank you. Well, we finally meet, you've been busy and you're on a day off today. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I have been giving Stephen um, a miserable time trying to get hold of me. I'm not very good at replying to my messages. So, yeah, I'm finally here. And, um, yeah, delighted to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, to start with, how's summer racing been going for you so far? Yeah, it's um, it's been going really well, actually. Um, obviously, last season I rode out my claim. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a conditional jockey. and so. I had a having had a quiet year with COVID last year, as in in the summer. Um, I kind of just lowered my expectations and was quite happy to accept that it, it might be quite a slow summer. But I've actually got some really um, nice rides actually through the summer. Already had a few winners, so yeah, really pleased with how it's going so far. And you must be soon be thinking of a holiday, don't you? Get a break soon. Well, we do, but I think COVID might be getting in the way way of that. We've got um we've got a two week break in August, but I'm not going to be double jabbed till halfway through that. So, I don't think we're going to be going abroad, and um I'm not sure there's going to be much left uh, on the market in the middle of August to get get away in England. But you know, it'd be nice to get away, and we've got a few days here and there through the summer. Um, next week, I think there's no racing. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we, we do get these these patches with sort of days off and that, which um, which is nice just to to recharge and and you know gather gather yourself together again. Well, that's one of the advantages of being a bit older that you I've been double jabbed, so that's uh, one of the benefits. <laughs> but talking about COVID, how how has it affected your career in the last year when you know summer racing was off? I think we, you know, as jockeys are very lucky that whenever 
you know, we can ride whatever horses. So I was lucky. I I, um, I went straight back to Andrew Bolding to ride out all through COVID. And actually, to be perfectly honest, it was it was a really nice change. Like obviously, we lead very hectic lifestyles. Um, and actually, the first lockdown was was quite enjoyable. You know, I rode out every day and kept my fitness up. Um, it was it was quite a it was quite a struggle coming back into racing. Um, not not from that it was a, a struggle to go back into racing um, that I didn't want to. It was more actually the racing was so slow when it first started that there weren't many reasons for trainers to use me. Um, I think I had four rides the first month racing came back um, just because obviously you had one meeting a day. So, you know, there was always the jockey available basically that the trainers wanted. And as a three pound claim, and normally you pick up rides by being, you know, someone's backup and all of that. Um, and again, it's why, I sort of prepared myself this summer, having lost my three pound claim, um, to have a very similar summer. But actually, that's why I'm so pleased that it's it's not worked out like that. Um, but yeah, last summer it was um, it was quite it, it 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 wasn't a tough summer, but it it was nice to get into full flow in September October time when racing started getting more often. It was noticeable that you know all the rides started picking up and and the momentum started getting going again. Well, you must have ridden some nice horses at Andrew Boldings. Oh, I ride some lovely horses at Andrew Boldings. <laughs> and the thing that's lovely about Andrews is um, they're all middle distance horses. So you could easily argue that a lot of them are bred to be jumpers too. So it's not like sitting on these six furlong horses or five furlong horses that I've got absolutely no clue about. I can actually sort of understand a bit more. Um, about them but they're lovely horses and uh, I'm very spoilt to get to spend my summers there. Right well let's just go back to where it all started I know you began with pony racing is that right? Yeah I started uh, I started pony racing when I was nine it had literally just started then as well so I was quite lucky that I, I had such a long time in pony racing though I wasn't very good at it to be honest <laughs> I never won a pony race in my seven years of doing it so um it it gave me a lot of experience though and I I am grateful for that definitely oh so the pony racing wasn't a grounding to where you finished up where you are now well I, I definitely think it helped you do learn some really key key factors um in in pony racing you, you learn about the start of a race you, you don't necessarily learn about tactics but there are plenty of things you can learn from the pony racing circuit and definitely when I started pointing at 16 I'd say that it had helped me massively um but yeah I hadn't hadn't learned what the winner's enclosure was like that's for sure <laughs> so when you started point to point racing at that time you hadn't um considered going to become a professional jockey though no, definitely not. We're talking 10 years ago now. So the, the, the national hunt racing scene was very different. Uh, you know, there was Lucy Alexander, who who very soon after that became champion conditional jockey. But I very much had in my head that the only way to be a successful amateur was to ride, not well, a successful lady jockey was to ride nice horses, point to pointing and possibly under rules. And at that point, 
I very much saw the only route as well was trying to get a good job. Well, it was either working and starting your own point-to-point yard, like, you know, Claire Hart and Hannah Lewis and and lots of other um, point-to-point jockeys were doing, either that or trying to get a very good job and be able to pay for some nice horses to ride. So since I was very lucky, I um, had a good education um, and I got some good results in my exams. So my initial aim was to try and do the latter um but it didn't last very long doing that <laughs> yeah you went to is it exeter university yeah i started yeah. i did half a term at exeter after oh, a gap year <laughs> yeah oh so you, um, so you had a gap year and then you went to university and then you left after a short period was that yeah it was i i did i did three months working in france when i first left school and then I came back and helped my parents train point to points at home uh, and was just riding out all over the place. And when, when I went to university, to be honest, I didn't, I ended up most, mostly riding out every morning because I got bored, sat around at uni and I never made it to, I probably made it to three lectures. So I very quickly realised that university I could always go back to, but my riding wasn't going to wait. So I just kicked on and and tried to make the most of my riding and I read you rode your first winner during the 13-14 season so how old were you then uh my first yeah that would be my first winner under the rules was I must have been 17 so yeah quite a long time ago now (laughs) and and where, where did you ride your first winner um I had my first winner under rules on a horse called That's Rhythm at Bangor in a hunter chase he was a lovely horse we were we were really really lucky um to 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 get him uh sally duckett and jeff deacon who trains he trains on the flat they they had bought him for a a novice rider he, he was he was a he was lovely he was a lovely chap called nick wakefield and he was a rower and he turned up to the yard and said i want to ride in a race can you find me a horse so they bought him this horse and he he won lots of races on him and they, they, when he sort of decided he'd had enough, they Sally came up to us and said, "Look, we'll go and win the Arga final because there was this big lady series back then, um, sponsored by Arga." Um, she said, "Look, you can win this race, this race, and this race, and you know we'll we'll finish winning the Stratford Ladies Hunter Chase." And to be fair, that's exactly what the horse did. Um, and he was a he was a fabulous horse. He, I rode him in the Fox Hunters at Cheltenham as well. Um, and he was he was great fun. He he was a lovely horse for us all. So was your mum and dad there that day when you had your first winner? Then uh, I don't think dad was there. Mum was there, but I don't think dad was there. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was lovely. <laughs> and you were champion amateur uh, the sixteen seventeen and the seventeen eighteen season. At that time, That's were you at Jamie Snowden's then or? Yes, I was. Um, I I don't believe I wasn't. I was riding out for him in the second season, but I I wasn't full time there for the second season. I was sort of exploring my options um, as such, um, just trying to work out what what I was going to do. Because as I say, it's it's always been a real toss up. I never, even to that point, I didn't think that I would be able to be a professional jockey, especially at the end of the first amateur you know championship I, I realized that it was becoming rather expensive to drive around the country um, to ride all these hunt horses 
and I still didn't quite believe that I'd be able to make a career out of it. So I was trying to sort of work out if I could balance um, a career with um, my riding. And again, my riding took over and I realised that I was getting plenty of rides that I would be able to, you know, carry on for a little bit longer, getting paid for it as a professional. Um, and so I decided to make a turn because it's quite lucky. Uh, there's a rule that says um, you can ride 25 runners as a professional and still turn back amateur. So I thought at that point I had nothing to lose. But again, I still didn't think that it, <laughs> I, I'd end up here. And, you know, I'm just it's credit to everyone kind of over over many years that that I've been able to do this. And, you know, I don't think there is enough credit nowadays given to these female riders from many years ago that I can basically have a fairly normal career in in racing because of them and I'm very grateful for that it sounds like you've been following your passion to to be a jockey but what was the final decision to turn professional um just the 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 amount of support that I had you you know you always sort of I, I was never attached to any big yards and you always hope you pick up rides in amateur races and you hope that you'll keep riding winners but it doesn't always mean that you'll you'll keep your contacts with certain people. And I, I actually realised that I had a very, very um, loyal base of trainers that were using me on a regular basis. And especially Jamie, you know, he was he was still using me a lot and I had been there a, a long time. And when I approached him about, you know, taking out my licence, he was very supportive. Um, and he has been the whole way through my career. So, you know, it was... I, I was just it was the right time um you know and I just started riding for the late Zoe Davison as well um and that all seemed to fit into place everything just fit into place you know um so I'm I'm just so pleased I did it to be honest <laughs> well, it sounds like it. it certainly beats being at university doesn't it and you've now uh, ridden nearly a hundred winners it must have been a Got great eight... se- sorry, sorry? <laughs> no no eight to go <laughs> Eight to go, so it's 92. Eight I said nearly 100, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, look out for you when you reach your 100. Um, and it must have been a real sense of achievement when you rode 75 winners to lose your claim. Definitely, because there, there are many female jockeys that have done it. And more than anything else, as I said earlier, I think it wasn't a big deal, which is what I... Obviously, it's a big deal for any jockey to ride out their claim. but the fact that it wasn't any more of a big deal, the fact that I was a female doing it, I really, I really, I really enjoyed because that's how it should be. If that makes sense, you know, it's not, it's not groundbreaking. We do it. It's a great achievement as a jockey, but it wasn't a groundbreaking achievement. And I really hope that it would just become the normal, you know, it should be normal that females are riding out their claims. And I can't remember whether I was the, sixth or seventh maybe who did it but hopefully there will be plenty more and and to me as well I think again it goes back to the fact that I really hope that there are plenty more jockeys that can do what I've been able to do female jockeys really well we've had uh Bryony win, winning the King George and, and Rachel Blackmore being the top jockey at Cheltenham and also winning the Grand National that says everything really for that you know females are jockeys they're not 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 female jockeys they're jockeys 
yeah exactly well, well done to you to to actually uh, reaching your claim but uh, and and i'm sure you'll get this 100 fairly soon now i was going to talk about um your grade two win at sandown which is probably your highlight of your career so far but i just wanted to talk to you about what it's like to be a national hunt jockey um it's not it's not all glamour is it uh, there's lots of things that uh, make it a a challenging job. I mean, what about you said already about the traveling? You, you must be, you know, like an Uber taxi driver going around the country. Yeah, um, yeah. The traveling, the traveling is different from from many sort of perspectives. Uh, obviously, doing all that driving, you, you do get used to it, and and actually, it's a good network of jockeys. I wouldn't say many jockeys really. Um, have issues proper issues with each other so we do tend to try and share driving as much as possible so we'll meet people and you know we will try and take that um some you know try and reduce our driving a little bit by doing that obviously it's you know it's it doesn't happen all the time so uh you do have to do some of the long drives yourself but it's also very difficult because when you're trying to organize um I was also saying to you earlier I think the organization of of our lives is 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 quite difficult as well you know you've got to be working out where you're racing you've also then got to work out logistically who, which trainers you're going to be able to go into that week and then you'll have all sorts of plans and then you'll be sent in, to a different race course to where you thought you were going and then all plans change and when you're in the car so much it's very difficult to use your phone so logistically trying to get it's a massive juggling act half the time just trying to juggle trainers that need you here on this day and other trainers that want you to fit them in and 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 you know I I obviously love schooling horses and and teaching babies to jump that's one of the best bits of the job but trying to logistically fit everyone in together it's like a massive jigsaw puzzle really (laughs) there must be some good and bad drivers to share the cars with you don't have to tell me who they are but uh, do you like driving yourself I don't mind driving. I, I've definitely got used to it over the years. And as you say, um, there are some people that, you know, are you, you quite enjoy going with <laughs> and, and some people that make you a bit more nervous. But on the whole, everyone's very well practiced. So <laughs> if they haven't if they haven't crashed yet, you sort of hope that it's not you're not gonna be the unlucky one anyway. <laughs> well, that's not the main danger of your job, because the main danger is actually when you're actually riding. Do you ever consider that dangers when you're jumping fences and hurdles I think it's all over so quickly um you you don't necessarily have a chance to think about it I mean everyone knows if you start worrying about it then I think that's probably your time is is done uh it's we're quite lucky that we hopefully have a lot of time you know you ride for yards that you probably go in and help them out and you've probably sat on the horses at home you've probably helped teach them how to jump so to a certain extent you'll you've got to have faith in your own talent I suppose that you've got that horse jumping right at home but the thrill of it's great and yes you'll ride something you might not be looking forward to but actually it's a part of the job and it, it is it is worth it and you don't you don't you don't really think about it I, I, I you know obviously you'll be you know there'll be some horses you don't look forward to but no it wouldn't it wouldn't worry me as such. <laughs> but you've had, you've, you yourself have had some injuries, haven't you? You've broken your ankle. 
Yeah, my ankle was probably probably my worst break. Um, I spent three months on crutches with that. So I was off racing for, I think, just over four months. Um, but again, it's part it's part of the parcel uh, and you just can't really think about it. Obviously, the last year or so um, with poor Lorna, you know, it's, it does bring it home. And it did, you know, it naturally shapes you a little bit. But at the end of the day, we do 50,000 miles a year in the car you could easily have someone who's under the influence crash into you and you know it might be more likely that it happened on the race course but there are so many other places that you know you can get hurt as well aren't there that you kind of just have to get on with it and not think about it but what's it like when you because you love riding so much and you're off for three or four months like you were with your ankle what's it like then (laughs) Injuries are tough. I actually, I saw Lily Pynchon at um, Stratford yesterday and she's had her first bad injury. Uh, she broke her back at Chepstow in April as she's climbing the walls. She keeps calling me up saying, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> she keeps telling me, she said to me, she keeps telling her boss, I'll be able to come back into the yard next week and toss her about. And he keeps telling her just to stay at home and he'll get the all clear from the doctors. But no, I know how she feels. It's it, it mentally it's tough but you I think it's a great time to mentally grow when you have an injury as well because you, you do have to manage yourself so much more and, and we're very spoiled as jockeys to have such great rehab centers in the in the jo- injured jockey fund centers you've got um Jack Berry um Oatsy House and Peter O'Sullivan and I'm luckily only 20 minutes from Oatsy House and they're very good at getting you in and keeping your rehab going, your exercises going, because there's always exercises you can do that don't stress your injury. And a lot of jockeys, they can go and be residents there. Um, so even if you live just down the road and you've had a really nasty accident, you can still go and live in there for a bit. And and, and it's a real community there. Um you end up being in groups with other jockeys that are also injured and you progress together and you know everyone's in the same boat so it's a real it's an amazing setup there that I think we're very very lucky to have. Another area where jockeys um, in the news as well uh, where you're getting online abuse some horrible um, vile abuse for when you don't win races how do you deal with that sort of thing if, if you get some yourself I think we're all we're all subject to it um with the social media with social media obviously social media gives everyone the ability to voice their opinion um and it's a very gray area as to where that line is um and I think I'm very lucky that uh, I don't ride high profile horses I'm not riding in so many high profile race where there's probably more money on the horses I'm riding. Um, so I am quite fortunate. I don't think I'm I'm not subject to as much as some people. I think that means that I cope with it a lot better when I do get it because it's not there every day. You know, some jockeys, I'm sure if they're riding favourites every single day and they're not winning because not every favourite wins, um, they will be getting more and more abuse every day. You know, unfortunately... People are in very bad situations sometimes and they take it out on you, you know. I've had someone threaten, well, uh, well, say that they hope to see me die and me break my neck, you know, online. And, and actually, it's that awful that 
you kind of have to go well it's it must be awful for them to feel the need to send you that message but as I say I'm lucky I'm not subject to loads of it so it doesn't affect me in the same way and you know at the end of the day it's not there's black and white if we've won a race or not and so I'm being repetitive because we've already spoken about this beforehand but I thought I'd say it on here as well but um it's black and white whether we've won a race or not and for a lot of other tv presenters and stuff it's not actually black and white so you can feel like you've done a really good job as a tv presenter and be really happy about it get on your phone and get called all the names under the sun and that must be a lot more personal and damaging I think someone's confidence than realistically if you've got a favorite beat yes you're going to question whether you've given that a good ride or not but most of the time you kind of know if you've given that a good ride or not so you either brush it off and say well he doesn't know what he's talking about or you go back well we always go back and look through them when you just go back and you go actually yes I haven't given that a good ride how am I going to improve the next time and as I say, I'm not subject to loads of it, so that's probably why I can be so relaxed about the situation. Well, it's not a very pleasant part of the sport, and um, hopefully some action is taken when people do step too much over the line because it it must affect some people because uh, everyone's, oh. not, everyone's not as strong as each other, and you do need support, and especially the, the sort of period we've been living in the last 12 to 18 months as well. Yeah, it's it's very worrying, and I think more, what's more worrying is is the state that the people are in behind the screen as well. It's it's really worrying to think that there are so many people that are so deeply affected by those situations and how they are just losing their 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 lives are so um, you know all consumed by their gambling, you know, and that's that's the, the flip side of, of what we do and it is quite sad to think that you know we can cause that but you know at the end of the day the social media companies don't you know they, they don't seem to do enough they are getting better but I've reported messages on Instagram and because I would always you know if there is abuse I'd always report the message report the person and you know I've, I've I haven't had so many recently but earlier um they were they would send me a notification saying this didn't breach our community guidelines and you're thinking well what does then but luckily you know I think they are obviously taking a bit more action because I haven't got many of you know I haven't got any more messages saying that so you know as you say they do need to take action though and you know unfortunately we did the social media blackout earlier in the year and to be perfectly honest I, I doubt anyone remembers it at all I don't think it's made any difference really um and but but we have to be realistic that this is just also a culture issue. And, you know, there was the, I didn't watch the map really, but I did hear afterwards last night that, because, um, sorry, it's the day after the England got through to the quarterfinals for the podcast listeners. Um, but you had English fans booing the Germans when they were singing the national anthem, which that's not social media's fault. You know, that's that's on terrestrial TV and, and we've still got issues deep rooted in culture. Um, so we can't just blame social media companies, really, can we? No, 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 you're right. I mean, we should be respecting people's national anthems. Um, I was watching the game last night and, you know, the group I was with, 
weren't happy that you know we were booing people were booing the german national anthem which is totally unacceptable on a more positive note um, how do you <laughs> relax yourself um that's a very good question i'm not i'm not very good at it <laughs> driving <laughs> well yeah oh what whilst we're driving or... no what, no not driving well you can tell me what your music oh, no. is but <laughs> But, I mean, apart from driving, how do you relax? Um, I'm not very good at re- relaxing, to be honest. I think sort of, I'm, I'm trying, I'm very lucky. I've got a very supportive, supportive partner and um, he does try and <laughs> help get me away from racing something. He's teaching me how to play golf at the moment. Um, I feel I can finally admit that because we're three years in and I can now just about get round 18 holes so I feel like I can now admit to the fact that he's trying to teach me but you know I, I do I do I'm, I am enjoying that and it's going to sound really stupid but we bought a house last year and I'm actually really enjoying being out in the garden as well and just getting out and doing a bit of gardening I sound so old <laughs> but actually just getting away any chance to put your phone down and just actually get away from it's so easy to sit, sit down and watch tv and just scroll through your phone and you're not actually switching off are you whereas actually um I do sound like such a granny saying this but getting out into the garden and just pottering and doing a bit of deadheading and passing up a few things it is it is uh, it it has really helped me this summer in particular I think (laughs) well let's talk about your I think your most famous victory a grade two win on anything for love at Sandown in February 2021. Is that your career highlight? I'd say it must be. It was It was very surreal having my career highlight with no one there, though. It was It was a very surreal experience, really. Um, and, you know, I was very lucky that that day Gavin had to go to Fontwell. They actually inspected Fontwell that morning. Um, and I hadn't realised they were inspecting because obviously I wasn't there. And, and we were schooling that morning and Gavin turned to me and he said, I bet you're lucky that Fontwell's on, happy that Fontwell's on. I was like, I didn't even realise it was an option that it wasn't. Um, but, you know, she's a she's a lovely mare. Um, the, she's obviously a half-sister to Sizing John. And I won two bumpers on her. Um, and... Obviously, Gavin, you know, rode her over hurdles and we've always thought a lot of her. So to get on her on, on, on that day, yeah, it was very, very special because you don't often get opportunities to ride in races like that, let alone, let alone win them. So, no, I was, yeah, it was a great day. And I read that she was at that time scheduled to go to Cheltenham, but she didn't. Did she pick up an injury or? No, um, no, she... <sighs> We weren't sure what what we were going to do with her um, afterwards. It was sort of rain dependent. We obviously had a very dry march. It, it went to good ground, obviously, uh, for Cheltenham. And I think the races just weren't quite quite right for her because obviously the mare's straight mare's hurdle was two and a half, but it, you know that would have been quite a deep end. And then the mare's novice is a two mile race, so it wasn't really, you know, her, her optimum, she's going to be a stayer in time. So on good ground, it would have been a bit much of an ask to, to, to run her there. We, we, we had hoped that we'd get another run into her before the end of the season. But as I say, the rain just never came before she had to go on her summer holidays. 
So, yeah, we schooled her up over a fence before she went out on her holidays. And, um, yeah, I think that will be the plan for next season, which is really exciting. Well, hopefully you'll get a chance to ride her this winter then, possibly. It would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. But, you know, it, we'll, we'll see how the season season goes anyway. <laughs> And, and talking of Cheltenham, Cheltenham, are they the courses you like to ride, like Cheltenham, Aintree, the big courses? Yeah, it's 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 lovely to ride there. Um, obviously, I have been lucky enough to ride a winner at Cheltenham on Monbeg Theatre at the April meeting, and and that was another that was another massive highlight of mine of my career. Sorry, and um, but actually, I love winning races. So. <laughs> a lot of the time if you're riding at the festival you know I quite happily go obviously I'd love to ride at the festival but if I can go and win a race elsewhere I'd much rather go and win a race elsewhere because you always go to Cheltenham and you're riding good horses you know you're not taking a horse there that's not in form or that isn't a nice horse so you know you're always going to be sat on a nice animal going to Cheltenham but actually persuade yourself that it's probably got a chance and then it run a really nice race and it could finish 15th, 13th, 15th out of 24 or something. And, you know, it's probably run a really nice race, but you're always going to be slightly more disappointed. Um, so I do, you, I do like riding those sorts of tracks, but at the same time, I just like riding winners. And I think my winning race track is probably the Plumpton or Fontwell or somewhere like that. So, um, so yeah, I've probably got more fond memories at tracks like that. What are your thoughts of um, the news the last couple of weeks that Cheltenham might go to five days instead of four? I I might be being really naive, but I, any chance for our sport to bring in more revenue, I can't see it being a bad thing. You know, they're only going to end up adding on probably two more races, aren't they? Well, they took off a race to add on the Mayor's Chase, so realistically you're only going to be adding on one more race. and. It is a real shame um, for the likes of Kempton and Utoxida to have to share the Saturday. I think that is a real shame taking away from obviously the um, Midlands National and the the consolation race at Kempton. Um, but look, I, I don't I don't know why it would be such an awful thing to happen as such. I'm I'm fairly on the fence really. So it certainly looks like it's coming. I think fairly soon though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, was it twenty twenty three? Is it so? Yeah, um, they've not confirmed it, but I think that's uh, the direction of travel. I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what about your own ambitions now in the sport? You're still very young, so uh, you've got lots of riding ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny as, as we were saying earlier. I've, I've always sort of exceeded my expectations and. I remember sitting down, having having ridden out my claim, and sitting down, and everyone goes, "Okay, well, what's what's your next sort of next target?" And I sort of said to myself, "I was like, oh, well, obviously, I suppose naturally the next target is riding a sort of graded graded winner, but that's probably slightly not unachievable. But you kind of sit there and you're like, well, that's not a very healthy target set for yourself. Um, and then it happened. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I think. I've always, to a certain extent, hit hit my um, targets, and and it's always hard to set new targets as such because you don't want to overface yourself. But you know, obviously, hundred winners by the end of the year, 
I'd like to think that's very achievable. And then to be honest, I just, I'd like to do get the next, you know, up to 150. I think, you know, as long as the ball keeps rolling, just getting better horses to ride, better quality of races, you know, that's, that's sort of the aim. That's always the aim, isn't it? You know, I'm lucky to be attached to what I think are pro- progressive yards as well. You know, Jamie's really progressing um, with his quality of animals and Andy Irvine, um, he's got some really nice courses coming in for next season um, and all sorts of other people that I'm riding for. I'm, I'm very lucky that they, they know how to train winners. So, so as long as I can um, keep their faith and keep riding the winners hopefully it will just keep a nice upward curve would be nice well it looks like like you made the right decision not to well not to continue at exeter university uh keep on riding the winners keep improving and thank you very much for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion no thank you for having me thank you thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion follow us on twitter facebook and now on Instagram at the pad and pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.